Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Appreciative to be able to follow the message and the speaker in our first service this morning. Um, I had not looked ahead, did not see where our lesson flow was going, but I, I could not believe how many common things that we both had prepared for today. And so I believe that the Lord is wanting to just speak a word to us as a church. And um, so we just ask the Lord to touch us together. I want you to join me, if you will, in the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 5, 6, and 7. I, too, want to join and uh, Brother Toby and say I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful to be in America today and thankful for what this weekend represents. I look around and see all the red, white, and blue. And uh, my wife marched down the hall this morning and announced to me, she said, don't forget Red, White, and Blue Day. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for those reminders. I would have probably could have forgotten that, maybe not, but I could have forgotten that. But I'm thankful for what it represents. And uh, Brother Tim Anderson told me this morning as he viewed the crowd, he just felt for sure that uh, Sister Susan Newburn would take the trophy for today. And uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> we also just go home. And uh, we didn't know it was a contest, but if it is, she, she got it. And uh, amen. If you have your Bibles, join me now. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you... Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. If we were to have started a little earlier in this chapter, we would have recognized that Simon Peter has already, in, in, uh, along the lines of submission, previous verses, Simon Peter has covered the submissive nature that we as saints of God should have to our government, and the submissive nature that some should have that are serving under masters. And then he talks about wives being in submission to your husbands. And now in our opening text, he is talking about younger being submitted to the elder. But then he summarizes all of it by saying, yea, all of you be subject one to another. So we're not entities to ourselves. And so my decisions will affect you and your decisions will affect me. And we can cavalierly say, well, what difference does it make? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Sometimes in decision-making, 
um, in, in meetings and things of that nature, someone can come up with a great idea and we can say, that's a wonderful idea. And if we just leave it at that and march out of that room without considering how will this idea affect, affect someone in a downstream downstream of this, somebody that's not in this meeting, somebody, and so you can make wonderful decisions sometimes that just shifts everything, and you got to go back to the drawing board, and so what we do, it does affect one another, and so today, uh, uh, just try to hold your applause as I announce my subject. I want to talk to you about the power of submission, amen. I thought that would be your response, and uh and so I would say we're going to pray, but I don't want anybody to close their eyes or bow their head. I don't want anybody scooting out of here during prayer. Amen. So we're just going to believe the word is, is enough. Amen. You may be seated. My eyes are wide open and they are on you <laughs> as you are seated. The Bible says in verse 5 that God resisteth the proud. And I um, found it interesting in, in study that the word resist here in this particular verse means to arrange oneself against or to determine against or to set oneself against. And so if we just read the definition of the word out of the context of this scripture, we can just say to arrange oneself or to determine against or to set oneself. But the context of the scripture is not about you and I. The context of the scripture is about God. God resists the proud. And so God arranges himself against or God determines against or God will set himself against. That's a strong Word. That's a strong phrase that God so much detests the spirit and attitude of pride that he will just set himself against that. And I just want to tell you, if you think you can't fight City Hall, God only knows what you're up against if you're going to try to fight God. <laughs> he set himself against something. He's not going to move. He's not going to change and I believe it should merit our attention that God would show such deep disfavor to something. If the Lord went to the trouble to move upon someone, the pen and parchment in this case of Simon Peter, to say that he disfavors, that he resists something. You know, if God hates something, and, and the Bible does talk about that. And so if God hates something, then I want to pay careful attention to whatever that is. I want to note that. <laughs> and I don't want to travel down that lane. I don't want to shop on that aisle. The Lord knows how destructive pride can be. I, I do believe that, that pride in measured doses is a good thing. We should have a little bit of pride about ourselves and our conduct and how we look and appearance and things of that nature. But that's not what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about the issues of our heart. He knows that pride is destructive. And he also knows that that we as human beings enjoy being lifted up. We enjoy somebody boasting on us a little bit. Amen. I know that maybe you're thinking about me right now and somebody 
you're, you may be worried. Maybe you're calculating that I would get a little bit too lifted up if somebody boasts too much about a sermon or something or a decision. But, but you see, I'm not the only one affected by that. Somebody, could, somebody can just talk up your favorite dessert that you enjoy making. We love that. It makes us feel good. It does make us feel good. But the Lord knows that. You watch the life of a child. The life of a child. They love it when every facet of life revolves around them. Because it, that is innate. It's in us. It's just there. Sadly, some adults have never gained the strength to outgrow certain elements of that. Pride is something that comes so naturally to our fallen nature. So we have to be careful. We have to be very, very careful. Amen. I'm not sure if I have shared this. If I have, I, I just apologize up front, but it is a shareable story. Um, some time back, I heard Brother Scott Graham in a session talking about as a young minister, uh, he had, was, had just gone to work for the youth division and he was traveling some in promotions. And, and as a result of that, he was being invited to preach at various places. And he had grown up in a very small town, small church. And, and uh, you know, now he, he has a, a greater format, a, a platform rather of ministering than had been afforded to him before then. And, and he was preaching one particular service, one meeting. And uh, Elder Brother Williams, Brother Jesse Williams, Brother Pat and Mike Williams' uh, father was preaching that service. And he was at that time one of our assistant general superintendents. And after service, he said several people were, you know, thanking him for the word and how much they enjoyed the message and on and on. And, and Brother Graham said, I was standing there and I was just watching as people came filing past him. And so as a young man, he asked an elder a very sincere question. He said, what do you do with all that thanks? How do you, how do you compartmentalize that? How do you handle that? And he said, well, frankly, that that people need to discharge that. They want to say something kind, and so you need to receive that. But he said, but the first thing I do if I'm preaching out of town before I even change out of my wet clothes or if I am at home before I ever even change for the evening, he said, I go to the Lord in prayer and I say, Lord, I received a lot of thanks tonight that really belong to you. They wanted to thank you, but they didn't know how to thank you, so they thanked you through me. And I just want to know, I want you to know I received some thanks tonight I didn't deserve. Is that pretty cool? Amen. I received some things tonight that I didn't deserve so I'm going to offer that right back to you. You know why? We have to be careful because when if we're not careful that just gratifies something in us and all of a sudden we can forget Brother Toby that we are just the conduit and we can begin to think after somebody says it enough that we're the source. We're not the source. We are, we're not the source. We never have been the source. We never will be the source. We're just the conduit through which the power and the presence of God can move. Amen. So you gotta be careful with pride. Like weeds grow up in a garden, pride is so characteristic of that fallen nature and, and you can kill a weed, but don't relax. It'll be back. You can stomp it out. You can buy the best chemical there is on the market, but I'll promise you, amen, it'll, it'll be back. It'll be back. Amen, anybody have fire ants in your yard? You can buy whatever you want to buy, and they just move over. Yeah. <laughs> amen. There's, 
You, you, may have got a, you may have got some, but they didn't leave town. They didn't leave the county. I promise you, they didn't even leave your address. They just moved over a little bit. Amen, we try to bury pride, but it sprouts back again, and pride can take on a thousand shapes. That's why you gotta be so careful. When, when you think you've got it captured, it eludes us. When you think you've got it all wrapped up, there it'll be, it'll crop back up again. Amen, pride is so God-defying. Amen, until it becomes sinful and God resists the proud. God stations himself against it. He emboldens himself against it. I say, Lord, help me to submit to you. Help me to submit whatever abilities I have, they came from you. Whatever thoughts I have, they came from you. Whatever you did, Lord, whatever you did, you just did it through me and I just want to submit myself to you. I want to submit myself to you. Amen, pride. Oh, how many times we see pride crop up all throughout Scripture. In Exodus 5 and 2, Pharaoh said, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is the Lord? That sounds like Naboth, don't it? When, the, when David was coming through and, and David's the king and, 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 and Naboth said, who is David? Are you kidding? Who is David? I mean, we know who's in charge. And, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? How much pride would you have to have to say who is God that I should obey his voice? Amen, you start, you start coming off with questions like that and the Lord will answer that question. I'll show you who is God. I'll show you in many, many ways. And we watch God again and again and again in the life of Pharaoh prove himself. Lucifer got lifted up in his spirit, wanted to be like God. And it was pride, nothing less, pride that caused him to fall. But God resisted him. In other words, God arranged himself against him. God set himself against him. And so the only antidote to pride is the grace of God. And we receive that grace when we yield ourselves to him. One evidence that grace of grace is, is, is that what Simon Peter said, he's talking about these levels of submission and how we should submit. And, and, and some of that makes sense to us, that we should submit as citizens to government. And we should submit. Uh, if there is a, a slave master, I'm talking in biblical terms now, if there's a slave master uh, scenario, so the, the apostle Peter was right and correct in that, in, in his comment of that. And, and we should submit ourselves at elder to the younger to the elder but then he just capsulized it all and said that we just need to submit ourselves one to another preferring our brother amen on the other hand of all of this pride flipping the coin around 1 Peter 5 and 6 says quite the opposite he said but God giveth grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may Lift you up in due time. Amen. That he may lift you up in due time. What powerful, what a powerful, powerful thought. There are two very contrasting pictures drawn with great and intentional distinction for us. And so if, if, if it's important for us to humble ourselves to the Lord, then we really need to know how to do this. Maybe there's multiple ways, and perhaps your list would be longer than mine, but, but I believe that one of the ways that we can humble ourselves to the Lord is just to receive the most menial task that comes our way and do that with such great 
honor. Whatever it is that God has asked us to do, I want to do it with the greatest sense of pleasure and honor. Amen. Some things that God calls on us to do are not all that honorable by nature. Amen. But whatever it is that God has asking us to do and wherever God has gifted us or given us some strength, we ought to do it to the very best of our ability. Amen. If it's, if it's sweeping the floor, we ought to do it as unto the Lord. If it is cleaning the building, we ought to do it as unto the Lord. If you walk by a piece of paper and it's out in the church parking lot, don't assume that that belongs to somebody else. That job belongs to somebody. I want to pick that up. Amen. As unto the Lord, whatever it may be, not just those that are getting all the glory or those that are getting all the limelight or those that are seen and heard. Amen. Whatever means task. There should be nothing that is beneath us. Nothing beneath the dignity of a saint of God. Amen. The command is clear. Our marching orders are laid out. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. If asked to describe a genuine servant of God, I, I don't think we would have to look very far past Jesus Christ himself. How do we do this? We don't have to, we don't have to dig through a bunch of journals and we don't have to go to a library and dig very far I believe we could go to John 13 and we could watch Jesus Christ himself as he took a towel and he girded himself and then submission he submitted himself to his disciples and he washed their feet you know why? because there wasn't a servant spirit in the house among all of those servants they were more worried about who's going to get the seat sit where Amen. They were more worried about who's going to be in charge when you're gone. And so the Lord looked around and said, you know what? Among all these servants, there's not a servant spirit. And so I need to show you something. I wonder how embarrassing it was whenever Jesus put a girdle, uh, wrapped himself or girded himself with a towel and began to kneel down and wash their feet. Maybe they were thinking, oh, I, I should have washed his feet. Yes, yes, but it's too late. I want to show you. Amen. Because submission is an act of faith. Amen, we're trusting God to direct our lives and we're trusting God to work out his purpose in our lives. After all, amen, we all understand this measure of truth. There is a danger of submitting to others. Amen, because they may take advantage of us. Oh, sure, sure. Amen, when we submit, there's a little hesitance about that because what if they take it too far? And what if they take advantage of me? But I'm going to tell you that a, tr a person that is truly yielded to God is going to treat their fellow Christians, amen, like they would want to be treated considering themselves also, amen, never taking advantage of somebody. But verse six uses this interesting phrase, amen, that we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Amen, that's the hand that directs our lives and that's the hand that also directs the lives of others. And so, of course, the key phrase is all bound up in this, um, this under submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that God is going to do something. God is going to impart something to us. But there's a phrase, there's a key, and it's found in three words. And, it's, and it's, those three words are this, in due time. Amen. God's going to do something powerful in our lives. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God is going to do something when we get yielded to his mighty hand, but God is going to do it in due time. There is a season to all things. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up. Now, we've got, we've got everybody's attention right here because we like the lifting up part. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may bless you, that he may prosper you, that he may increase you. Oh, hallelujah. We love prosper. We love elevate. We love increase. We love that God is going to lift us up. But here's the key. It is all in due time because God never exalts anyone until that person is ready for it. And I'll promise you this, no matter how much you think you're ready or no matter how much I think I'm ready for something, God has his eye on the temperature gauge. He knows exactly when we're ready. And we may be ready way before God is ready. We may be ready in our mind, in our heart, way before the Lord because he sees something in us. Amen. Now, uh, you know, when, when, when I was, we were first married and would grill and cook things around the house, you know, you just kind of cook it till it looks right. Amen. I've never claimed to be a good cook, and, uh, and especially when it comes to grilling and smoking, things of that nature, uh, meats and things of that nature. But then somebody figured out that you could get a temperature gauge now, this seems new to me. I'm not talking about new yesterday, but new to me somewhat because no matter what it looks like on the outside, you need to know what it is on the inside. And every meat is different, right? Amen, pork, chicken, beef, every, every meat is different. You, you can't just say, well, this worked for this roast and now it ought to work for this chicken. No, everything is different. And so God is looking at what's on the inside. Sometimes things can look done on the outside, ready to go on the outside. It can feel good. It can look good. It can smell good. But you see, the man that really knows what he's doing, he's got an instrument somewhere. He's gonna plunge it deep in and he's gonna watch what that gauge does. I'm talking about, I feel in the Holy Ghost what I'm saying today. Amen. There is some due time. There is some due time. But I'm ready Lord. But I'm hungry Lord. But I want to go Lord. But he's saying if you'll just humble yourself. If you'll humble yourself. There is an exalting that's coming. If you'll humble yourself. There is a lifting up that's coming. If you'll humble yourself. Amen. There is a season of harvest that's coming. But it has got to be in due time. Amen. First the cross and then the crown. First the suffering and then the glory. Moses, oh, we don't want to think about it. But Moses was under the hand, that mighty hand of God for 40 years before the Lord sent him back to deliver the Egyptians out of Pharaoh's bondage. Joseph was under God's mighty hand for somewhere around 13 years before God lifted him to a throne in Egypt. Egypt, hallelujah, and so we say, oh Lord, I, I want a I shorter runway than that, I, I don't want it to be that long, I don't want it to drag out that long, and what if, uh, what, what if time gets away from me, hey, God knows what he's doing, and if it's the last few years of our lives on this earth, God can do a quick work, amen, he can do what he wants to do in us and through us, it may not be 40 years of this or 30 years of that, God may use you in a moment of time to change something forever. Amen. One of the pieces of evidence of our pride sometimes is our impatience with God. And sometimes one of the reasons for suffering is so that we can learn patience. You know, people say, well, don't pray for patience. I'll tell you, you should. Amen. Don't be afraid of growing. 
Amen. Well, you're going, I'm not going to look, look down again because you're going to just gave you another reason to leave. <laughs> Verse 5, we see the, the admonition to be clothed with humility. Clothed. Interesting phrase. Clothed with humility. This statement uses an interesting word, the word clothed. It's only this, the word in, in its definition is only used one time in the New Testament in this context, in this one verse. And that word means to bind yourself with clothing or bind yourself with the garments of a slave. Clothe yourself with humility. Bind on you the garment of a slave. We're to bind ourselves. Humility is not demeaning ourselves. Humility is not thinking poorly of ourselves. He was all over it this morning. True humility is simply not thinking of ourselves at all. It's not locking ourselves in a closet. It's not punishing ourselves to a corner. Perhaps Simon Peter had this in mind when, when the Lord girded himself, as I mentioned a moment ago, to the task of washing the disciples' feet. Amen. Nobody was there, so the Lord said, I'll take care of it. Amen. Verse 6, humble yourself. The second thing, not only is the acceptance of a menial task, but it's also yielding ourselves to the disciplines of God. Because the Bible says that whoever the Lord loves, he chasteneth. There's no one that escapes the discipline of God. In 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourself and he exalts you in due time. I think, I think that humbling ourselves, what is that? It's what the preacher's already told us today. Amen. It's what the preacher's already said. I've just come behind him to reiterate what he's already said. It's emptying ourselves of self. Amen. And then allowing God to fill us with his divine goodness because you can't fill a cup that's already full. Amen. He's already said it. You can't fill a glass that's already full. You can't fill a barrel that's already full. Amen. We get that. But I want to tell you, you can't fill a heart that's already full. And you can't fill a mind that's already full. Amen. And sometimes we can't feel some hearts because they're all full of ourselves. So how can God would do anything for a person like that? Amen. I think the first thing we got to do is empty ourselves of self and empty ourselves of our own agenda. Verse 12 says, casting all your cares on him because he careth for you. Amen. There's a whole lot of cares that we won't be burdened with if we'll do what the Lord has already asked us. In life, there's so many things, so many things. And of course, the path is so different for all of us. But there's so many things that burden us. You know, what bothers some people just doesn't bother me at all. And what bothers me just drives other people insane. My wife, my wife has pointed out in our car when we're riding down the interstate, somewhere in the dash, there's a little rattle. And she'll ask me, she said, do you hear that? No. And she said, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> Amen. And every now and then, every now and then, she said, right there, right, right there, did you hear? I said, yeah, I, did. I, I, I think I did hear a little something right there. <laughs> Trying to keep the peace, you know. <laughs> bless are the peacemakers. <laughs> God bless my humble heart. <laughs> We're all different. We all have a race. We all have things that we have to deal with. But there's some things that weigh us down that we bring on ourselves. They don't come from God. Sadly, they come from us. Amen. 
some people are, are never satisfied because the more they have, the more they want. And, and we get filled with the cares of this world and we take too much on. We take so much on ourselves until after a while we can't wiggle. We can't even move. We can't hardly even breathe. But if we'll really be honest with ourselves, half of this we brought on ourselves. We invited that into our home. We invited that into our heart. We invited that into our lives and we're weighed down. Amen. These cares that we bring on ourselves. And we've all been guilty about worrying about tomorrow. And I understand that it's easier to talk about this than it is to really act it out, play it out in life. But the Lord said in Matthew 6, 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow. That's what he said. <laughs> he said, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Another translation says, do not be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worry, enough care. It'll take care of itself. Amen, amen. Consequently, we're called to trust on the Lord for it. And so I go back to Deuteronomy, my wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture that says he's going to give us strength for the day. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I just know one thing. I got a promise that's already in the chamber. I got a promise that's already preloaded that when I get there, he's going to give me strength. He's going to give me everything I need for that. Amen. You know, Jonah was such a great, Jonah was such a great man in, in the scripture. Truly he was. I know we, we look at his faults, but Jesus pointed out even later of Jonah to perhaps in our vernacular to say one of the greatest revival preachers of all time. Never a man that had the results of preaching quite like Jonah. When you read Jonah chapter 3 and the majority of that passage, you're going to see that in the preaching of one single revival in Nineveh, that, that the entire city repented at the preaching of, of Jonah. Amen. I'm just going to tell you, I don't have that track record. Jonah starts preaching, and from the palace to the poorhouse, from the king to the beggar, Amen. They were all moved by the preaching of this man of God, this great prophet of God. He is what we may say in our day, a revivalist. Amen. That's Jonah with the camera lens panned way out. That's Jonah when we're looking at the whole city of Nineveh and the whole revival. Amen. But after the revival... After everybody from the palace to the poorhouse has been moved and challenged by the word of this incredible man, if you zoom the camera lens in for a tighter shot, this is what you're going to see. Not a man behind the desk. Not a man with his Bible open to just use a, a modern day illustration. Not a man with a microphone in his hand. Not a man pounding on the wooden pulpit saying repent for the day of the Lord is at hand. But what you're going to see is you're going to see the greatest preacher of all time sitting under a, a gourd vine pouting. That's right. That's right. I mean, he scarcely signed the last autograph. Amen. You know what he's pouting about? At first, he was all angry about what God was wanting to do in Nineveh. I know if I go to Nineveh, they're all going to be saved. That's logical, isn't it? That should make every preacher mad. If I know if I go, I'm going to have success. 
<laughs> so he buys a ticket, goes to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. We know the story, thrown overboard, prepared fish in the belly, turns toward the temple, repents, fish spits him out on dry ground. He goes, has this great revival, and he's under the gourd that had grown over his head. The worm chews on the gourd vine and it cuts it down. Now Jonah is mad and he is so angry that he just said, I wish I were dead. It's all right there. In, it's just a little short book. It won't take you long to read everything I'm talking about when you get home. And so before we add poor old Jonah to our prayer list. Let's think about us. We've got blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings. And one thing go wrong. I give up. I'm done. There is no more. Amen. That's when we need to cast our cares on him. For he careth for you. There's some scriptures that we need to have emblazoned on our hearts. Scriptures like Philippians 1 and 6. He that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If God started it, he'll finish it. It doesn't matter what it looks like halfway during the race. If God started it, he will finish it. And so I've got to hold fast. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And so here it is. When we have done all we know to do, we have to place these situations in the only hands that have scars. And say, Lord, to you, I yield this. One writer seems to capture the essence of this when he penned these words. It is up, for, uh, it is up to us to dig the well, but it is up to God to send the rain and fill it with water. It is up to us to plant the seed, but it is up to God to make it sprout and grow. It is up to us to cultivate the field, but it's up to God to give the harvest. It's up to us to witness, but it is up to God to give the increase and to save the soul. There's just some cares that I have to take to Jesus. I can't burden myself with that. I, I want to do the very best I can every time I walk to this pulpit or any other. I want to know that I've given all that I can to that service, to that message. But when it's all done and I close the Bible, regardless of what I see with my eyes, I have to know that I dug the well, that I planted the seed, and that I, that I cultivated the harvest, and that I was a witness and all this other, I just have to put that in God's hands. I have to put that in God's hands. When I've done the best I can, then I've got to let God do the rest, truly. And to be sure, life has many cares. It does. Your life has many cares. We, we must make a living, care for our families, have a home, vehicle, clothes, health care, and the list goes on and on. And so with all these cares that life places on us, how, how are we supposed to handle this? 
Anybody ever felt overwhelmed but just the cares of life? I mean, just, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm not trying to be silly this morning. I'm just trying to be honest. There have been times that I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've read the word. I don't know. I have no idea. But here's one thing that I feel like we should do. And I think that that we should always partner ourselves with the Lord. Now just stay with me for a moment. I want to bring the Lord alongside me in every endeavor, Brother Williams, every endeavor. Nothing so menial that I don't want the Lord to be a part. No decision in my life. I mean, especially major life-altering decisions. I'm not sure the Lord is worried about what socks we wear, but you know what I'm getting at. I want to make him my partner. And he's not my Sunday and Wednesday friend. He's not my Sunday, Wednesday companion, but he's my everyday friend and companion. And so if I'll make him my partner, amen, then it becomes our problem, not just my problem. I read something uh, Friday or yesterday I want to share with you. It said that of Queen Elizabeth I, that she called a businessman in London And she said, I have a very important task for you. I have a mission I need to send you on. The caveat is that this mission was no small mission. And in this particular era, travel was difficult, laborious. And so rolled into this mission meant that this businessman was going to be absent for a long time from his family and from his business. And so he expressed his concerns to her. He said, I I, I want to do what you're asking me to do, but I'm worried about my business. And the queen said, sir, if you'll take care of my business while you're gone, I'll take care of your business. Amen. That's biblical. In the book of Exodus, the Lord said that three times the men are to come to the temple to worship him and bring an offering with them. And so we don't think much about that reading the book of Exodus here in 2023. But you see, when the men left their homes, it left their homes vulnerable. It left their farms vulnerable. And so the Lord said, here's my commitment to you. If you'll come three times a year to my house and bring me an offering, read this. It's in your, it's in your Bible. He said, I'll see to it that no man desires thy land. <laughs> I'll build a fence. I'll build a fence around it. Nobody going to steal your plow while I'm gone. Nobody's going to steal your ox while I'm gone. Nobody's going to steal your children. Nobody's going to take advantage of your companion while I'm gone. You know why? Because you're on my business. And if you'll do my business, I'll take care of your business. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying today. Woo, my, my, my. So the queen said, sir, if you'll go take care of my business while you're away, I'll take care of yours. 
The man agreed and did the work of the queen. And when he came home, to his amazement, under her care and guidance, his business not only had flourished, it had quadrupled. Because that matters who you're in business with. Amen. It matters who you're in business with. I'll ask you to stand with me if you will. And so I'm going to leave Queen Elizabeth alone. And I'm going to take you to a biblical scripture. And eventually we'll go home. Luke 5. Luke 5. I'll cut it short, Lord. I'll cut it short. (laughs) The Lord told Simon Peter, he said, I need to borrow your boat. I need a pulpit. Now, you've got to understand something. This wasn't a pleasure boat. This was a fishing boat. This was a working man's boat. And men who fish for a living, they know if that boat sits in that dock, they know how many dollars per hour they're losing if that thing is tied to the dock. He understands this in the, in the, he understands this in the light of dollars and cents. And this was a working man's boat. And, and Simon Peter could have said, Lord, this is my livelihood. And do you know that for every minute that boat is going to be docked out here that I'm going to be losing X number of dollars? But he didn't. He just said, yes, Lord. And the Bible says he gave him his boat to, to, uh, to use his boat as a pulpit. It wasn't even what it was designed to do, but he was trying to reach the people. And when his sermon was finished, Jesus said to Simon, he said, go right over there and launch right over there. And when he did what the Lord said to do, he caught more fish in a few moments that he perhaps had called in, a, in months. Amen. That's why I got to have the Lord on my side. Amen. That's why we dedicate everything we have back to him. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I love you, Lord. The power of submission. The power of saying it's yours, Lord. It's yours. I'm going to submit myself to your will, to your way. You see, we jokingly didn't really think too much about the title of the sermon a moment ago but I hope it makes more sense now there's power that comes with submission there was power that happened when he when he girded himself with that towel and he picked up that dirty foot and put it in a basin of water power there was power power that happened amen I wonder if we'd lift up our hands across this building and if we could just ask God to touch our minds and our hearts and help us to yield ourselves Oh God, let us humble ourselves under your mighty hand and in due season, and in due season, you'll exalt us. In due season, you'll bring the harvest. In due season, you'll give us what we need. In due season, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.